We're going to be over in Mark chapter 11 just to begin with. There's a story of the Smiths who were proud of their family heritage. Their ancestors had come from uh, come to America on the Mayflower. And their line had included senators and pastors and Wall Street wizards. So now they decided to compile a family tree history, one of those legacies for their children so they could all look back and take a look at who came before them, where they came from. So they hired a very well-known author, and they only had one problem. In their entire family tree, they had this one guy. Everybody's got one guy. They had one guy. They had to figure out how to handle one of their great uncle. uncles. His name was George, great uncle George. You see, he was electrocuted in the electric chair. And so they, they mentioned this to the author, and he says, don't you worry about it, we'll take care of that. We know how to, well, how to position ourselves in this to make sure that we're good. So when the book appeared and the family turned to the page that was talking about Uncle George, here's how it read. George Smith occupied a chair of applied electronics at an important government institution. Was attached to his position, was attached to his position by the strongest of ties and his death came as a real shock. <laughs> well, it just all depends on what position you take on things, doesn't it? How things, how things turn out. We are looking today at our position. And we're going to be spending most of our time over in Mark chapter 5, but just to review, going over some of these things in Mark chapter 11. In verse 23, well, 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now we've uh, spent time, the first week we were in this, this series, we spent time on most of the chapter looking at why Jesus cursed the fig tree. We will, then we spent some time looking at choices that we make, that we choose what we believe and what we disbelieve. And of course the whole foundation for this series is not to turn you into people who don't doubt anymore, but to turn you into people who doubt the right things. Because in order for us to believe anything, we must doubt something else. In order for me to doubt something, I must believe something else. So the trick is to make sure we doubt the things of the world and believe the things of God. To doubt the input that the world gives us and believe the input that comes from His Word. That's what we need to do. But you know, there's a whole lot of inputs out there trying to get you to be steered off. And we're going to take a look at a, a person here today who took a position. And that position was attempted to be altered. And just like, just like him, our position very often is, is attempted to be altered and to be changed. We've got to make sure that we don't. We're going to see how important it is that we don't alter and don't change. Now, as I said here in, in this one, what, whatsoever things we say, we went through, and Brother Hagin was real good when he would teach us on this, and always emphasize how many times the saying part was mentioned, and how many times the believing part was mentioned, and how many times the doubt part was mentioned. And the saying part wins out. We have to speak to things. We gave you the assignment last week to go out there and to speak to some things. How many of you uh, forgot? <laughs> well, well, he's not here today, but I had one person who, um, who uh, emailed me the, the next day a whole list of things they were going to be speaking to. Speaking to. But uh, they told me they wouldn't be able to be here today to, to give us the report on that. And so we'll have to wait for, for him to come on back on another Sunday. 
and be able to, to tell us what's going on. But I hope that you, you listen to some things. And at the time, at the end of the service here, if you have some things that you want to testify about, about things that you spoke to, things that you changed. Now, we all said there are some big things we're going to speak to, and there are some small things. And don't, don't just discount the small things. Speak to the small things. But as Ethel was emphasizing again today, it's things. It's things. There are things that we speak to and things that we can change. You have to discern the difference between things and other situations that involve people's wills. Because we don't have the authority over people's wills. If God doesn't take authority over people's wills, then who are we to do it? But in Mark chapter 5, this is a story that we all know very well. But we're going to go over it again because we're just looking at the position that this man took. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat, verse 21, to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, just to give you the heads up on this, as we look at this today, we're going to be looking at three positions. Three positions that are emphasized in this story. This, this first position is not mentioned too much, but you can see it. And because of the way that you have lived it, you can put yourself in this part of the story. The first part of this position is completely skipped by. And that's the part of the position when Jarius first found out his daughter was on the, on the verge of dying. How many times can you put yourself in a position where you were, uh, some bad news came and either came suddenly or you could see it coming, but you knew when it came, you knew where your position was. And how many of you think back on that? I mean, it may be that you, you found out that you got laid off from a job. It may be that you found out that some, your house needed more work than you thought it was going to need. It may be that your car broke down. It may be uh, situations and uh, with family. It may be, whatever it might be, uh, a sickness or disease. You went to the doctor for a normal checkup and found out you'll be dead in two weeks or that something else is, is going on. I mean... You can think of yourself in that position. That's your first position. That's the position that you're in when the situation comes upon you. And we're all different. And I want you to notice in this story, we don't know what his first position was. So really, as far as this story is concerned, the first position is not important. But it has an effect on us. Now, in our first position, when we first get this news, how many of you all know you may be on a spiritual high? And this thing come to you and it may be knock you down a few a few notches you may be on a spiritual low and you feel like oh i just can't handle this right now oh this i just feel so worn out and now this thing comes you may be in an emotional high and this thing's trying to bring you down or you may be in an emotional low and it's about ready to, to tip you over the edge there's all kinds of things that that we could find ourselves in a position of it may be that you saw this thing coming how many of y'all know there's been some situations that came on that you saw coming? Didn't know exactly what it was, but you saw it coming. There are some situations that caught you completely by surprise. Those are the first positions that we're in. And it really doesn't matter whether the situation caught you by surprise or whether you saw it coming. It doesn't matter if you were on a spiritual high or on a spiritual low. It doesn't matter if you were on an emotional high or an emotional low. Wherever you were in the first position makes no difference at all. And in this story, it's not even emphasized. But it does have some bearing on you, doesn't it? He said to Jesus, when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. 
Now, this first position that we talked about, spiritual high, emotional high, spiritual low, emotional low, surprised, seen it coming. This is neither a place of doubt nor a place of faith. It's just where you are. It's just how you are at the time. It is simply where we are when the situation comes. That's all this first position is. But so how many times have you ever been around people and they say, oh, I was so down. I, I don't understand why God let this come upon me now. <laughs> Tough times will only come on you when you have a spiritual high, right? No, the enemy is looking for an opportunity to knock you out. He's going to take anyone that he can. It doesn't matter so much what position we were in, but what position we come to when we face a situation. So let's put ourselves back into the story here. We have Jarius. He's over there and he gets this news, whether it was sudden news, whether he just came in one day from the field and there's daughter almost dead. We don't know what all happened, whether they had been seeing doctors for months. Then this is the situation where he was at now. Whatever it was, it got to a point and we know from his words that he says she is at the point of death. Now you have a daughter who's at the point of death. How many of you are leaving your daughter? How many of y'all know that if your daughter's at the point of death, it is a hard thing to go. And you're not hopping in a car, you're walking. And to go and get somebody. I mean, she's at the point of death, she could die. And you're not there. And you would feel bad about that. But he's going to try and do something about this. He heard about Jesus. He heard about some of the things. Obviously, he, he heard enough to get some faith because look at what he says. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Does that sound like a faith statement? Does it sound like he's wondering? He's pretty certain that if Jesus comes with him, then his little girl's going to make it. And so he came on out there to, to see Jesus and to, to, to get him to come on over. Now, we can look at the things that he says to evaluate the second position and how where he is and how he got there. But first off, let's look at verse 23, the first part of this. And begged him earnestly. How many times have we felt ourselves that we have to beg God to get something? How many times? Listen to your own prayers. How many times have we gotten there and prayed, Oh, Lord, you know my situation right now. You know I don't have the money. You know that right now I'm just so spiritually low. Oh, it's just such an emotional time. Oh, and we start laying out all this stuff, don't we? <laughs> We're begging. We're giving them all the reasons why we should... Why he should just, you know, come on there and take care of the thing for us. This is what he, he begged him earnestly. Because he didn't know that Jesus would come. He knew that Jesus could heal him. He knew that Jesus' power was there. And that if Jesus' power met up with his daughter, that the, she would be well. He didn't want to seem to wonder about that. He just wasn't sure if Jesus would come. Thank God that didn't affect the story. I mean... We may find out, you know what, I shouldn't have been approaching God, begging God. But how many can see in this story, it apparently didn't cause Jesus to say, you know what, you're begging, get out of here. Now, you don't have to. You access God the, the best way, which is by faith. So he begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. My daughter is dying. I left her to come here and get you. That's got to speak something to Jesus. Jesus has got to know this is a, a dad who loves his daughter and she's dying and he left her to come to Jesus. If, you're, if, if you were in Jesus' shoes and someone left their dying daughter to come and get you, 
what would you do? Would you come? Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So Jesus went with them, wherever he was at. He was ministering to a multitude of people. But one guy came and he says, you know what? I'll leave this where I'm at with this multitude of people and I'll go and I'll follow you where you want me to come. And the multitude said, well, we'll follow you too. So the whole multitude began to, to go and they're all pushing and shoving and such. And we know the story with the woman with the issue of blood and we've covered that in recent times. And we, we look at all that and we're not going to get into that part again here now because we really just want to focus on Jairus. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Now look at this statement. This statement is, is full of everything. Here is the state that she is in. Here is the fix and here is the end result. Here is the state that we are in. Here is the fix and here is the end result. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. Now to establish this position, this is the most important position to establish, folks. Because when your situation comes and it becomes known to you what the situation is, what it is that you're facing, whether it be financial, whether it be in a job situation, whether it be in, in a, a home, fixing up the, the things that are going on, whatever kind of situation, whatever things are going on, healing, this is a particular story that we're looking at healing, so we can certainly include those as, as some of the things we can be speaking to and be talking to. But we've got to establish that position. The position that we have against this thing. How many of y'all, I don't know how many folks, uh, some of our, our, our real buffs on this thing aren't here today, but you know, I, I love studying battles. It don't matter what battle. It don't matter if it was back in the B.C. days. It doesn't matter if it's the early A.D. days. It doesn't matter when the battle was. I love studying battles. I like seeing how they, you know, what forces they had and, and how they brought things in and how they maneuvered this and what they did over here and what tactic they did over here. In the Old Testament, you go through the Old Testament and look at some of the strategies that God had them use against different cities. And some of them made absolutely no sense at all. I mean, you think of that and you say, we're all going to stand around them and bang on jugs and light fires and holler and <laughs> we're going to walk around the city for seven days. Some of them made no sense at all. And then some of them were really good strategies when you came up against the city of Ai. It's all right, go after them and then retreat just like you did before and then they're all going to come out after you. And they did and as soon as they all come on out, now turn and fight and then we're going to send another batch in and they're going to burn the city when they see the city's burning behind them, then they'll lose heart. And sure enough, they did. That was a, that was a strategy. That was a good strategy. David, in some of his battles, he had some neat strategies he laid out and some of the things that, uh, that they did. Other ones, they had absolutely no strength at all and, they, and God said, just march on in there, I'll take care of it. But the, just the strategies that are going on. God, one time, he just said, you know what? One angel is all I need. I'm just going to dispatch an angel and we'll, we'll take care of them all. Real neat on the, on the strategy part. But there's a strategy for us. There's a way that we have to come against what it is that we're, we're doing. We can't just... Well, I just stay here and hope for the best. No. This man, Jairus, had a strategy. He said, all right, this is what I need to do. I need to leave here because staying here, I'm not doing any good. And I'm, how many of y'all know the daughter would probably be there? Daddy, don't leave me. Daddy, don't leave me now. Please stay. But what would you do if your, your daughter's crying out like that? But you gotta, he got a strategy. This is what I got to do. I got to go get Jesus. 
I've got to ask Him to come and pray. And if He comes and He lays hands on you, you'll be alive. All right, Daddy. Hurry back. So He goes off. And He comes to Jesus. He's focused on this strategy. This is what we need. I need Jesus to come and to lay hands. This is what He has focused His faith on. If you will come, she will be healed and she will live. Made a distinction between that. She'll be healed and then she will live. So he comes. He stayed on this strategy. This is the strategy. How do we come up with a strategy? How do we come up with a position to attack the thing that we're coming against? Notice with, with the Old Testament. Every single city they came against seemed to be a different strategy. Every single one. So why shouldn't the strategy for you be a little bit different? God, how should I go about this? What should I do to come against this one? How am I coming against this? What am I, what am I standing on? What am I doing? And listen for God. I put four things down in here. To establish this position, we assess what we are up against. You've got to first off know, what is it that I am up against? What is it? I've got to assess the situation. What is coming against me? Now, I don't need to know all the ins and outs about it. I don't need to know everything about it. If I got a, a pain in my body, how many of y'all know my, my strategy is not, well, I got to find out what that pain is. I got to find out what medications work on that pain. I'm not talking about that kind of strategy. I'm saying from the Word of God, what is your strategy that you need to do? Well, I'm going to stand on this verse. I'm going to get hands laid on me. I'm going to go to this uh, particular place and have this particular one. I'm going to stand on my own and Stand on the name of Jesus. Stand on the word of God. However it is, you come up with a strategy. And there's all kinds of strategies. You can have hands laid on you. You can have the gifts of the, of the healing in operation. And go to a meeting where the gifts of the healing are in operation. You can just say, you know what? Just the name of Jesus. I'm going to use the name of Jesus against this. I'm going to make a stand that way. I'm going to stand on my faith. The woman with the issue of blood who comes in between this story. No one prayed over her. She said, you know what? If I just go up and touch the hem of his garment... Ah, uh, that'll be it. So that was her strategy. And she stuck with it. She got her position. She got her strategy down. She went after it. This man got his strategy down. He assessed the situation. He knew what he were up against. She's going to die. We got to do something to fix this. Found out about Jesus and went after that. So first off, we assess what we're up against. Second, we determine God's will. You have got to determine the will of God. You've got to know what the will of God is. Brother Hagin used to tell us about the times that he would go back in the Word of God and just renew himself on healing. Just renew himself. I mean, a Brother Hagin had to get out there and renew himself on healing. Dear Lord, <laughs> get in there, renew yourself on healing. Don't just jump in there. Get in there and spend some time. Renew yourself on the, on the thing. No, I know this is God's will. Just as sure as I know I'm saved, just as sure as I know I'm going to heaven, I know it's God's will for me to be healed here. i got to determine the will of God. Because if you do not determine the will of God, if you do not know for sure that this is God's will, then you can be undermined. When back, way back in the beginning in the garden, when the Adam and Eve were in the, in the garden by themselves and everything was perfect, and the devil came against them, and he questioned, caused them to question the thing. He caused them to be uncertain. Has God really said? Has God really said that you shall... Surely die? Really? Has God, God really said that? Causing them to question. And then, you will not surely die. But God knows that the day that you eat of it, you will know both good and evil. Become like Him. Like God. 
So when they saw that the tree was good for, it was good fruit and good for eating, Eve took and ate and gave it to her husband who was with her. And he ate. And spiritually they died. You've got to know God's will because if you are not certain on God's will, it can be undermined just as it was with Adam and Eve and just as it was with so many other people who were in the Word of God who the devil came in and undermined them and caused them to question. We talked about two weeks ago about choices. You're going to have choices to make. You either choose to believe or you choose to disbelieve. You're going to choose one way or the other. You're going to choose to believe God's Word. You're going to choose to doubt God's Word. You're going to choose to believe what the world has to say to you or you're going to choose to doubt what the world has to say to you. But just because you make that position, just because you make that stand, doesn't mean that nothing's going to come against you and try and pull you off of it. It's going to try and undermine you. Get you to question. Well, it hasn't happened yet. Are you sure it's God's will? You sure God wants you to have that? You sure you can affect that thing in that way? I mean, don't remember, don't forget Aunt Betsy, she died. Don't forget Uncle George, he went broke. <laughs> right? He, he, he gets you these things. He reminds you. You've got to determine God's will in the thing. You've got to be certain on it. Never hurts to go back and renew yourself on the Word of God on anything. Never hurts. So assess what we're up against. Determine God's will. Declare it with our mouth. We told you before in that story, when the, he came up to the fig tree, he said some. He said what he said to it, and the disciples heard him. They heard him. He spoke it out loud. When Jesus was teaching about it, he says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will come about, he will have the things that he says. We've got to declare it. You've got to stand up and declare the thing. doesn't mean that every day you've got to say the same thing over and over again. It means you've got to make a stand. This is my position. You are dead. You are done. You are finished. There was a story that had a, of, of an event that had occurred during healing school down over at Ramah. And uh, one of the ministers who was, who was in there relayed the story to us and, and told us about it. But there's this uh, person who came down to healing school. This is around the time when um, the City of Faith was uh, just built and put in operation. And it was uh, some of the doctors were, were doing some procedures and things. And this person came to healing school because that's what they did. They came to healing school to get taught and to have hands laid on them. And so they were in there, they're getting taught, getting their faith built up. And they got to the point, and they had hands laid on them. And uh, they had this, this tumor, it was in the brain. And it was a particular type of tumor that had uh, roots that would go all the way into the brain. And it was tough, to, you, you just really couldn't operate on this thing because uh, you couldn't get it all. And so they prayed, and they did just like we did with the fig tree, they cursed it to dry up from its roots. And one of the doctors from the uh, City of Faith was there and felt the uh, the inclination to go ahead and to operate on this person. No one else wanted to take, touch it. No one else wanted to take it on. But he said, you know what? Um, I feel in my spirit to go ahead and operate on you. And so they made the procedure and they were doing this over at the City of Faith. This is a spirit-filled, born-again Christian doctor who went in there to have the operation. And so they were operating and he, you know, they drilled the holes in the head and they opened it all up, you know, and they're in there working on the, on the tumor. And I mean, it was, it was hard work. It was long work. You're, it's tedious. You make a wrong move and you, you, you mess up the brain in there. And, and after a little while, the, the doctor, he just got fatigued to me. It was hours and hours. And he just said, he just took a break and he just went back and, and just kind of, you know, you can't touch anything, but he just kind of sat back and, and took a break and, 
And then he, he came back on up to the, to the, to the head to start working on it again. And he said, as he began to look, he just wasn't sure which way to go, what more to do, what else he could, he couldn't get at it all. And as he came on up to it, he said it just, the whole thing just came loose. And it fell out. And when they, when they pulled it out, they looked at the roots, the ends of the roots, and it looked like they had been burned. But the whole thing, it fell out while they closed them up. And he went on, perfectly healed. Nothing else in it, and uh, did fine after that too. It didn't come back. What a, I mean, glory to God. <laughs> you got to make a stand. And, and stand on it. And it doesn't matter how hard the thing is. You can, doesn't matter how many Aunt Betsy died. Doesn't matter how many Uncle George's went broke. What matters is the Word of God. What matters is the position. How many all know when Jesus was here on the earth, there were all kinds of people dying? Sickness and disease. Not the ones that came to his meetings. <laughs> the ones that came to, to Jesus' meetings, it says that he healed them all. All. But not everybody came to the meetings. Not everybody had faith. We go into the city of Capernaum, we find out he couldn't do any great mer- working miracle there because they didn't believe. So just because people dying does not prove that God won't do it. That just meant something was wrong there. Brother Hagin even told us a story of his, uh, oh, I forget now, sister. I think it was the only relative he, he did not pray out of death. She died. And when, uh, one of the times he was up in heaven, he saw her. And she said, Kenneth, there's a reason. There's a reason, but don't you worry about it. And God even told, I think this is the one God told him, he said, don't visit that again in your thought life. Leave it alone. And he said, I never did. And I believe him. <laughs> I believe he did it. Establish this position, folks. We've got to assess what we're up against. We've got to determine God's will. We've got to declare it with our mouth. Once we know what the will of God is, we declare it with our mouth. We're not declaring it with our mouth to talk ourselves into it. We're declaring it with our mouth to speak to the situation. It will change. The fig tree will die. The cancer will die. The financial situation will be satisfied. Whatever it is, stand on God's Word is the final one. Declare it with our mouth. Constantly declaring God's Word is not standing, or constantly declaring it with our mouth is not standing on God's Word. Sometimes it's just a way to cover up your doubt and unbelief. Make the stand. Stand on the Word of God. Because here's where the stand comes in, is that situations, people, things come against you to try and get you to change your position. Because what you did was you went after God and said, God, what do we need to do? How do we need to come against this? And God says, do it this way. Come after it this way. And you made that stand. But now other people, relatives, friends, other Christians, news articles, reporters on TV, they're all bringing reports. They're all bringing things. They're trying to steer you off of that position into another direction. Verse 35. He dealt with the woman with the issue of blood. We come to verse 35. After he was speaking to the woman, while he was still speaking to the woman with the issue of blood, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Oh, what a, what a thing to hear. You left your dying daughter. I don't know if she said this or not. I just imagine that maybe she would have. Daddy, don't go. Don't go. And the first thing you hear is she died before you got back. Oh, would that play with your emotions? Would that affect you in a... <laughs> boy, it would affect you, wouldn't it? Oh, my. 
Oh my, can you just feel that? Would that move you from your position? Would you move from the position that you had if that news came to you? Your daughter is dead. I mean, can you imagine this? How, how affectionate, how nice are these people? Hey, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? You've troubled them long enough. Your daughter's dead. Well, I don't know who they sent, but uh, obviously someone who didn't care enough about the, the daughter. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon, this is, this is the big verse here. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. I think it's curious. He doesn't, he doesn't say the words. As soon as he heard the word that was spoken. This is the word of doubt. This is the word to affect belief. This is the word to alter the position. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, He said, not to the people who brought the message, not to the multitude that was with Him, not to His disciples. He said to the ruler of the synagogue. Who's that? Jairus. Do not... Be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. If you are Jarius and you get this report, are you not going to say something? Doesn't the word that they said, doesn't that generate a response? Doesn't something come from us? Remember Jesus to the fig tree. Jesus heard the fig tree. Jesus answered and said to the fig tree, here comes these people. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Your daughter is dead. Wouldn't that generate a response? Wouldn't that... I mean, he could do all kinds of stuff. He could be mad at Jesus. I don't think he really could be mad at the woman with the issue of blood because she didn't really take that much of Jesus' time. She just came up. She, if it was just up to her, he would have just kept on going. She just came up, touched, got the power, and then that was it. And we found out from the story that Jesus kept saying, Who touched me? Who touched me? She was afraid. She hid back there. I don't want anybody to come out. And, uh, and, and Jesus didn't just say it two or three times. Who touched me? Who touched me? Oh, I'm not quite seeing who it is. No, he, he stayed there. Who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Someone out there touched Who touched me? So much to the point that the disciples got a little uncomfortable about this. And they came up and said, look, you know, there's a whole lot of people out here touching you. Let's just go. Just, you know, this is getting uncomfortable here. Let's just get going. No, 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 no. Someone touched me and healing power went out. I know it. Who touched me? So finally the woman came up. I think he might have been a little bit mad that Jesus is wasting all this time. Who touched me? 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 He might have got a little upset at that and he could have come out. Jesus, have you been so concerned about who touched you? Maybe you might have made it. I don't know that they would have because these folks already made the trip. It would seem to me that before the woman even touched him, that she may have already died. But you're not thinking logically when you're in this kind of situations, are you? <laughs> you're not trying to evaluate all that sort of stuff. Something wanted to come out of his mouth. He wanted to probably be mad at somebody. Mad at the woman. Mad at Jesus. Mad at the crowd for going so slow and slowing them up. Whatever it might be. You, you, you want to say something. I'm sure that the thing out of his mouth was not, Oh, glory to God. I'm sure that wasn't what was coming out. But Jesus is very concerned about what it is that he's going to say. And so he, before he can even get a word out, before that can even happen, 
Look how this is. While Jesus is still speaking to the woman. While he's still he's speaking to the woman. While Jesus is speaking to the woman. Is that going to stop these people from delivering this message? They probably came up while Jesus was talking to the woman and just said to him, uh, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. And Jesus is speaking to the woman. I think Jesus kind of heard it. Hmm. So he's speaking to the woman. And he hears this. And he turns over there immediately. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. He does not want Jairus to utter a word. Because if Jairus utters a word, he's changing his position. His position is this. My daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. That was his position. And Jesus does not want him to get off of that position. Do not be afraid. Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Now, I don't mean that the other nine disciples were no good. I bet you he probably had the other nine disciples there to keep the rest of the crowd. And he took these three with him. That's just my understanding of it. Maybe it went that way. Maybe it didn't. But no one else was going to come with him. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. So he came on in, and he said, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And she rose, risen up from the dead. Now he didn't come there with the idea that she would die and then be brought back to life. But Jesus just said, don't be afraid. You've established your position. Now don't change it. And this is where we as Christians get ourselves into trouble. Because we spent time finding out what is the will of God in my situation. I spent time to find out what does God say about this. And then all of a sudden we get new information. And we change our position. You establish your position based upon the word of God. You should never change it based upon the reports from the world. Reports from doctors. Or reports in any other way. We shouldn't do it. Stay with it. New information arrives, folks. You're not going to be able to stop it. We can't always stop the new information from coming to our ears, but I can stop it from taking root in my heart. I can't stop it from coming to my ears. And don't ever get into this fear thing that some folks want to get out there and make you do and become fearful of what other people will speak over you. I heard an example, not that this is, this is about the best example I've ever heard. Do you know that your words for your life are more powerful than God's? Your words for your own life are more powerful than God's. You have more power and more authority in your life than God does. Because God has declared all men to be righteous, hasn't He? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He has declared that all, all, all men might be saved. But until you declare it with your mouth, it don't change it, does it? So if, if God can't speak righteousness, forgiveness healing over people without them speaking it themselves, then how can some schlep out there speak something over you and have an effect on you? Don't be afraid of what other people will speak about you. Keep your position right. Jesus left all this group behind. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what they're saying. Leave them behind. They can say anything they want to back there. They're not going to affect it. 
they're not going to hinder us. I can't always stop new information from coming to our ears, but I can stop it from taking root in my heart. And that's what we need to do. Now we're going to read through these, these verses. In Mark eleven twenty three. we all know. For uh, We'll put that up there on the... On there, for surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his what? Heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The doubt he's speaking of is doubt in your heart. In uh, chapter 16, in verse 14, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He rebuked their what? Unbelief and hardness of heart. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Luke 24, verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Go over to John chapter 7, verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Chapter 14 and verse 1 and same book, John. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Acts chapter 8, verse 37. Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Romans 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So where's the belief coming from? It's from the heart. It's from the heart. We believe with the heart. We don't believe with the head. We believe with our hearts. It's with the heart, the, the, the spirit of man. That's where the belief has to come from. We're too often trying to get our mind in line. And it's good to get your mind to line up with the Word of God. But understand, belief comes from the heart. Belief comes from the heart. Remember in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What's that mean? I have faith, but there's some unbelief there. He's got head unbelief, but a heart faith. In James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. You're up, you're down, you're up and down. What God wants us to do is to take a position and hold that position. Hold firm. Don't move off of it. No matter what comes, no matter what news comes, when the news came to Jairus, don't bother to teach her anymore, your daughter is dead. Jesus spoke immediately to stop him from speaking because the words he would utter next were, were crucial, were huge. Don't don't get don't speak words of fear. Don't be don't be fearful. You believe all things are possible. Got it? You believe? All right. Let's go on with the mission. Let's go on. Head on out to what we're supposed to do. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If this man, who said, "Lord, I believe, help my unbelief," was un, was double-minded, what would he receive from the Lord? Nothing. What did he get? What did he asked for? He, the, he got healing. The child was healed. You, you can't stop information from coming to you. 
You can't even stop doubts from coming around and acting on you. That's why we, we were looking at Mark eleven twenty three. We were looking at the word doubt, that it's passive. Doubts are acting upon you. You're not actively doubting. The doubts are coming and acting upon you. That's all right. It doesn't mean you're in unbelief. Just don't let that doubt come in and take root inside of you. Don't let it happen that way. We believe with the heart. We don't believe with the head. We believe with the heart. Brother Hagin told us this. And I'm paraphrasing this. I don't remember the exact quote he gave us, but it's right along this line. You can have faith in your heart and doubt in your head and still get your answer. You can have faith in your heart and doubt in your head and still get the answer that you need. Don't doubt in your in your heart. Keep faith in there. Now, dark doubts will come to your head, but you battle them. you got a position and your heart's not moving off of it. No, no, no. No, I took a position on these financials. I took a position on, on, on this thing in healing. I took a position here. I took a position. No, no, this is what we're believing for. This is what's coming. And you, this is what I said. This is what I declared. I'm not, I'm not moving off of that. And that's what you got to do. That's where you stay. Don't become double-minded. Don't become double-minded. To doubt is to, in this situation, is just simply to take a position, I'm going to believe for this, and then new information comes in, and now, oh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Oh, I'm not sure if we're going to go there. I'm not sure. Well, maybe God didn't heal me. Maybe that financial thing will, will knock me. Maybe I will lose my job. Maybe this won't happen. And how many of y'all know there's people around you that can start speaking this kind of stuff to you? Oh, my. You got people around you who want to start speaking. That's not going to happen. You're not going to get, you're going to die of that. Christians. What's, what's really sad is not just that Christians do this, but that spirit-filled Christians can do it. Spirit-filled, supposedly faith-believing Christians can come up to you and do this and speak this way and undermine your faith. And you say, oh, that's, I thought they were a faith person too. What are they doing? Maybe I am wrong for doing this. They're trying to undermine you. Don't let them undermine you. You established your position based upon the Word of God. Hold on to that position. Hold on to that position. Don't let it go. Whatever our position is, whatever the thing is. We told you last week, get some things to speak to them. Go out there and talk to some things. And say to this thing, what is going to happen? In this particular case, this man and his statement, this is what the situation is. This is what will happen to it. And this will be the end result. We can have statements that are right along that line. This, it may be here. But this is where it's going. This is where it's going. How many of you this week, no inside hands this time, how many of you this week spoke to some situations? You, you found some things. You decided, I'm going to speak to some situations. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to them. How many came in ready to give a testimony on some of those things? I mean, you didn't see any change yet on the situation. Uh, remember, get some little things, get some big things. And, and, and little things, it's good to, he- good to hear. It's good to hear the things that are, that are going on. Speak to them. You don't have to keep constantly saying to the thing, uh, sickness and disease, I told you how to go. Sickness and disease, I told you how to go. Sickness and disease, I told you. No, it's one time. Jesus spoke to the fig tree one time. He, didn't, he wasn't talking it into it. Moses was supposed to speak to the rock one time. And water would come out. We don't have to keep saying the, the thing. Now, I know there are a few examples in there. Jesus kept saying to the man for the demons to come out of him. There's a few instances where, where Jesus said it a few times. But most of the situations we have, Jesus said it one time. 
How many times did he say, Lazarus, come forth? How many times did he say to Jairus' daughter, little girl, I said to you, arise? One time. And it happened. Jesus didn't just say one time to the fig tree because he'd seen it the next day. He didn't bother saying it as far as we know the rest of the day. It's the, the one time. But speak to it. And then, here's this is your second position. Your first position is where you are, wherever it might be when that thing comes upon you. But your second position is, now I, now I see what's coming against me. And this is the position I'm going to take. The Word of God says this. This is how we're going to approach it. And this is going to be the end result because this is what the Word of God tells me is coming. And then other stuff is going to try and come and move you off of that. Has God really said? Is that really God's Word? Are you sure? Nope. You make a stand. You make it. That's why you make a stand. You go to the Word of God and you find out. God, I want to know what is your will in this situation? What should I be doing? What's going on? How do I believe for this one? How do I stand on this one? Because you know, for healing, there's all kinds of ways you can go, and you can even go like this. This one brother who got into the uh, operating table and had the surgeon operate on him, and then the thing fell out. You can. There's all kinds of ways that you can go. But find out what's God saying to you. God will minister to you in line with your faith. How many times did He say, "Be it unto you according to your faith," as our, as our faith is? Where is your faith? For some folks, you hit a situation. Your faith is, "I just need hands laid on me." For sometimes you get into a place. I just I'm going to declare the name of Jesus over this. Sometimes you say, "You know, I I need the gifts of healing for this one." I, that's just where my faith is. I just need the gifts of healing. That's why God gave all these different ways. Because he wants you healed. He wants you better. He don't care how you get there. He just wants you there. You're his kids. He cares about you. He wants you to have victory over situations. But you've got to get to that place. You can't be over there double-minded. One time, speaking faith. Another time, speaking doubt and unbelief. One time, yeah, I'm going to have this thing. Because God said, well, I don't know if it will ever come. You're double-minded. What will you receive from the Lord? Nothing. Stay single-minded. Stay focused. Establish that position once the enemy, once the situation has become known, establish your position and don't be moved off of it. Don't let other Christians move you off of it. Establish it on the Word. Know what the Word of God has to say. Have more than one verse of Scripture, but know what the Word of God has to say. This is the way I'm going. This is where my heart is. This is where my faith is. This is where my spirit is taking me. This is what I'm going to do. Father God, I thank you for the help that you give me on this. Thank you for the light that you give me. Ask God for wisdom on the thing. Ask God for light. He'll give it to you. Glory to God. You can change things. You can cause things to become different. Just as this man faced a situation with his daughter, she was dying. You can face whatever situations you have and you can change them. You can alter them. Jesus said, back in Mark chapter 11, you can even say, up to this point, all the way up to this, you could say to this mountain, be picked up and be cast into the sea. If you don't doubt in your heart, even that will be done. Well, what causes us not to doubt in our heart? I know from the Word of God that this is mine. I know that God promised me this. And I know if I do this, if I go this way, this will be the end result. My God will take care of me. My God will help me. And then you make that stand and you've you're, you got that position. But you just got to know, things are coming against you. 
Jesus has said that persecution would come to us because of the Word. Persecution comes to us because of the Word. It's because of the Word. When the sower went out and sowed the Word, he's sowing the Word, and some seed fell this way and some seed fell over here. But on, on some of them, when Jesus is giving the interpretation, he says the cares of life came in and choked out the Word. That's not the gospel of salvation, folks. That was sowing seed for believers. Some of, some of the cares of the, of the world got in there and choked it out. Some of the birds came and they ate it up. The enemy is coming. He's trying to take the word out from you. He's trying to undermine the word from you. Don't let him do it. Establish yourself. What does the word of God say? I've spoken to my situation. I'm not moving off this position, I believe. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the things that we can change. There are things that we all have going on in our lives that we need to have altered, changed. We've spoken to some of them already this week. And we know that the thing that we've established, the things, the position that we have from your word is a position that you will bless, a position that your strength will come out. You will help us. Glory be to God. We've spoken to these things. We've said to these things. Mountain be cast into the sea. We are not going to doubt our heart. We have chosen to believe your word over all the other things that are out there. We have chosen to believe your word. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us, for the victory that we have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.